2: This is Talk Sport Daily.
3: Hello, happy Monday, and welcome to another Andy Goldstein Talk Daily podcast with me, your host Andy Goldstein. Hope you all had a good weekend doing what you can, of course, uh, in a scenario that faces us. But listen, upwards and onwards, gang, upwards and onwards. Now, we begin today's podcast with Mark Shouty Saggers. Danny Mills and Ray Houghton on the Sunday exclusive. They were talking about the potential return of football. Well, that's a surprise. That's not been covered. Well, there's nothing else to talk about, is there?
1: We're always looking at uh, the, the immediacy with football, the hand to mouth with this. Is there, a, is there a, and again, you'll tell me that a lot of this is to do with finance, and a lot of the finance is because. Um, football clubs have spent the money before they even get it, and that's not a problem with the fans who have to dip into their pocket before they're even allowed to watch it on their television set if they, if they, if they want to go that way with it. You can't do it the way that, the, that this lot have done it. And um, is there is there no way that we can think yes, everybody does agree that this season needs to be finished? And I'll go back to something I said a couple of weeks ago. Why is not FIFA, UEFA, individual leagues, our our leagues as well, discussing, saying, you know what, rather than think that this is the season that's not going to finish, why don't we make sure that this season is finished? And if that then means that we go past December into January, into February, then next season might not take place and then we can start again after what will be various you, you could have the, the cup tournaments then and then of course you've got the internationals next year if things are getting better and then you start again that we nearly miss nine months just so that we can finish this season is that not a more practical way of looking at this
4: definitely i, I think you, you know and we've always said that sagas what is the point of of ending this season prematurely And starting next, you might as well just wait and finish this season.
3: Now we can hear from big Tony Cascarino on the weekend breakfast show with Georgia Bingham talking about football being played behind closed doors. Really? That was done ages ago. Yeah, but there's nothing else to talk about, is there?
4: Well, I can't imagine concerts, um, just big venues, large audiences, stadiums in football included, that are gonna be able to go until there's a vaccine. Mm. I just don't see it. I think that is to me is that is one of the biggest risks. If you just choose to do it because the numbers go lower and lower and lower, well, COVID nineteen might return in the winter months. So yeah, you know yeah, you're you, second, you, you, second coming. Exactly. So you have to be prepared to say this is how it's gonna be.
3: Open out to the final word with Simon Jordan, Kate ex husband. And Danny Kelly. I'm guessing they were talking about something along the lines of football returning behind closed doors, games in Australia, players wearing masks, um, that sort of thing, I imagine.
0: I want football to return. Clearly I do. And I think most of us want football to return because if nothing else, we're sat here talking about money and football... And all it reverberates around it is money at this moment in time rather than the protagonists and the beauty of the sport. But, not, and also, of course, having more content than just perhaps going around in circles at times. But I'm in a situ- in, in, in a position in my own minds where I think that this season, the 1920 season, first of all, football is going to come back. It's just a matter of when, right? And what it looks like and in what form. And the agenda is being pushed very, very Aggressively now by the Premier League, because for for a number of reasons, one they're obviously trying to protect the broadcast deal, um, and two there's an element of emphasis being put on it by the government and certain departments of the government. Naively, I think, because I don't think they really understand the foibles and peculiarities specifically of the football That's industry. That's the culture, media and sport department. That's the yeah. DCMS, yeah. Uh, and, you know, given the fact that the sports ministry is mute, we don't understand what he does or doesn't think about the industry because we don't hear from him. Um, but insofar as it coming back, I'm, I'm against it coming back in June I believe it's too early in the game, I don't believe that sport should be ahead of the curve. I know people believe that sport has a responsibility to lead. It also has, by the, by the very nature of a default setting that it doesn't want, it's held to a higher set of standards than everybody else's, which is slightly ridiculous, but it is. Which means that anything that goes wrong within the confines of sport will be amplified beyond the ramifications of anything else.
3: Time now to head over to Hawksby and Jacobs and the brilliant clips of the week. This is where people send in clips of a certain week and they put it together for their. Yeah, we well guessed it. Uh, it's available in full as a podcast, so we're only playing a bit of it, I imagine. But they do it every Friday. I think half past three. I'm pretty sure it's half past three because uh, back in the day when you were allowed to go out and I used to pick my kids up from school, I would always get out the car about twenty five past three because that's going to go and get them. And I go, why can't they move it earlier just for me? But they never
4: did. This is Goffey uh, chatting to Sir Steve Redgrave about his career.
0: When you look at, back at it and you think you wanted to be a single sculler, didn't quite work out, you ended up in uh, the fours uh, to start with, then you went into the pairs... Finished on the Cockless Four. Remember
4: them? Oh, they were a great band, actually. They were the, the Castrati Quartet. They were I think I've got their first album. It was mainly Jimmy Somerville covers, if I remember right. it was, yeah. It's quite a range,
2: obviously, for, for obvious reasons. Tremendous. What's next? Yes. It's Sam Matterface and Perry Groves discussing Kevin Keegan.
0: Kevin Keegan apparently appeared with the Honey Monster when he f- signed for Newcastle oh. United. I remember that as well. Well, I can't was, remember that one. He was,
5: I think he did a uh, – have you done a shredded wheat as well? Cluffy and Shields yeah. in a shredded wheat advert. Well,
0: Glenn Hoddle did a, sh- uh, a shredded wheat. Good recovery. <laughs> I'm sure he did,
4: though. But uh, we didn't necessarily need well, who to do it. But good recovery. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this is Jim White. This is Jim White with a time check. It is 11 noon. Jim White with you live in the studios of TalkSport. I suppose at the moment, if you're not looking to catch a train (laughs) at 11 noon, you've probably got an hour. It doesn't really matter what time it is. Is anything between 11 and 11.59? Now, back to Big Alan. Here chatting to one of the stars of his favourite show, Peaky Blinders, actor Joe Cole, about his new show, Gangs of London. I'm loving it. I've got to be careful. I don't want to give too much away. But when your dad in the show, Finn, dies, uh, Colin Meaney, isn't it, Colin Meaney? Uh, yeah. I remember him in Layer Cake. I'm like, oh, no, he can't die so early. But I, I, without giving that away, you see a bit more of him. You yeah, have kind of given it away. And to be fair, I've, I've watched it, <laughs> and that happens in the first five minutes. It's not going to ruin it for you. And it's fairly I wasn't going to gonna watch it now. And you could have told it from the trailers. But I don't want to spoil it. But when he dies, when you, oh, no, mm. uh, no, he was all right. He wasn't too bad there. <laughs> Right, we can hear from the former
3: light welterweight champion of the world, Wiki Hatton, who's a guest on Fight Night on Saturday evening. He's been telling Adam Catchell and Gareth A. Davis that Joshua versus Fury just has to happen.
6: I've always been a, you know, I've been a boxer and a boxing trainer and a boxing promoter. But, you know, even before them days, I've always been a student of the game. I've always been a fan of the game and a fan of, of our British fighters. Past and present, and you know, I remember years ago. You know, you, you know, you'd have two Brit, you know, two British lads fighting for the British title, and not being disrespectful to to anyone. You never heard of them. No. Now we now we've got the number one and two in in the world, mm-hmm. and both you know you know different styles, different personalities, different. It's it's it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a and it can, I think it can not not happen. But the only reason why sometimes these fights don't happen because, you know, you have rival promoters and rival TV companies and, you know, and then you have two fighters that AJ will say, I've got all the belts and rightly so. And Tyson will say, I'm, I'm unbeaten though and I'm the lineal champion. And it's because of that <laughs> is why sometimes big fights don't happen. But I just think there's that more in the pot For everyone, for AJ, for Tyson, you know, for for AJ's promoter, for Tyson's promoter, for the TVs, there's that much in the pot that I think that, and because of public demand, how can it not happen?
3: Now the most successful British track athlete in modern Olympic Games history. Who's that, David Thompson? Yeah, of course it is. Ah, Mo Farah. He joined the boys on drive. He looked back at the London Games in 2012 And what was going through his mind during that famous Super Saturday? I'm guessing what was going through his mind was something along the lines of, Oh my goodness, I think I'm going to get gold!
5: I I was in a training camp and leading up to it, I was kept away from everything. So I came in two days before the race. So I came in, went to Athlete Village, did the whole thing, got accreditation, gone through. And... Then went down the stadium, the warm-up track, and did a couple of strides uh, a, a night before. And then, you know, in that evening, turned up at the track. And I remember walking in at the track and just thinking, wow, at the warm-up track, this is. And they're still showing bits of it. So, for that point, I was like, oh, man, this is, this is amazing. It's incredible. And then walking in the actual stadium it was nerve-wracking. But at the same time, it was just amazing to see so many Union Jack everywhere, people shouting out your name mo 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 and that really you know spurred me on and gave me a massive you know boost as you say it's like i was telling myself these people are just here for me can you believe this whole nation and obviously leading up to it i was watching from a camera side where you know jess has just won and i was like wow that's amazing you know obviously we we're in the training camp together and you know in competitions and, and you know each athlete well and Jess is a lovely girl and got on well with her so I was so happy for her and then on the other hand I see Greg jumping as well on one side of it and then he comes off the pit he's cheering me on like I been <laughs> five or five laps to go or something I'm like in my mind I was thinking how did you do how did you, how did you get on and I didn't see it much and for me it was just oh mate there's no really word to describe that Saturday it was just you know as a nation we came as one and have, just just to have so many people cheering for you in that stadium for me was incredible, and and I guess I would never experience that no matter what I do in my life again.
3: Now, staying on the subject of 2012, this is Stuart Pearce on Saturday sessions being asked if he was put under pressure to include David Beckham in the Team GB squad. Like you would never know, Sam. Honestly, it's it's been the most difficult decision I've ever had to make in my life. Certainly the most difficult decision in football in terms I've ever had to make. And I think discussions were had. Bear in mind, Adidas sponsored the Olympic Games, the, the kit. They were also David's sponsor. I think conversations were had between David's agent and the FA about him having the captaincy. All those things behind my back. And I even believe, from what I can gather, that... Once the decision was made and he, by myself that he wasn't going to be in the squad, it, it was even mentioned at Downing Street whether it was the right decision or not and whether they should replace me as the manager. Back now to big Tony Cascarino. Picking his top five dressing room pranksters as jokers. Or, as we like to call it nowadays, banterers. Is that a word? Okay, well, bants. Yeah, but that doesn't work, does it? Top five bants. Yep. Yeah, banterers, bants. This is pranksters then.
4: Jokers. You, just have a listen. Number one has to be my mate Andy Townsend because... Is he a prankster? Oh, Andy. But do you know what? Now, the, that's interesting. The, I didn't the, imagine that. The mayor, the the thing that always got me with... When he did work for ITV and he would do the commentary, you never got the humorous side of
6: No, Andy. I agree with that.
4: You're, because it's... Straight, that's how you do commentary. You can't be a joke all the time. But Andy was, anyone who was at Chelsea with him, all the boys I met, some Cundy, Wisey, you know, they all know Andy. Andy was the life and soul of every every dressing room. Always laughing, always being funny, always yeah. cracking stuff, always playing games. I, I knew him from an 11-year-old, and I knew him, obviously I played Republic of Ireland with him. He yeah. was a leader uh, with Ireland as well. He was always playing pranks on me, Georgie i room with him and there was always something going on with me. He did the one on me in 1994 because Andy dyed his hair blonde. and If you get some images of yeah, welcome, yeah. he went blonde. Yeah. So I decided to put a colour on my hair, okay, in 94. And Andy said, I'm going to the hairdressers that I got my, hair, my blonde I mean, done. why? No, well, anyway, so he goes, <laughs> he comes he comes back and I've told him to get the colour Chateau on Clear, okay? So get Chateau on Clear. So he comes back. Gives me the box, open the box, yeah, shat and clear, I put it I'll put it on the air, It's only like, plum. Come out plum. <laughs> so I've come out of the bathroom and I met a cursing, I'm going, it sounds so, so he's got me plum my hair was literally plum colour Georgie i come in and he's laying on the bed and he's holding me the box and he's got a plum and a chat and clear he's got two he's bought two and he switched the, the two plum and the chat and clear but what Andy always does I'll tell you a quick little story because I don't need to tell this one as well but he always would call the lads and let them know you know like I've just done this come to the room yeah. you know because I've just done Cassie's hair he, he's having a shower washing his hair he, but I've plumbed it I've got plum on his hair so he always lets everyone know Kevin Wilson <laughs> who played for Chelsea his contract was coming to an end at Chelsea see and um he had about three months to go so andy phones him at the hotel on a game at derby phones kevin wilson pretending to be a manager that is mean right so he starts um coming on he starts going kevin wilson right okay kevin i'm um, interested in taking you in the summer and he's really good at playing the game andy so he ends up finding how much uh, kevin wilson was on a week what he wanted and then Andy tells him what he's going to give him. So he tells the la- he tells Andy like um, he's getting 1500 quid a week, he's getting this sign-on fee, um, how long contract so Andy says well we'll give you a 3 year, we'll give you treble your money, we'll give you a, a double your sign-on That's fee. So, so Kevin Wilson comes down of course Andy's told everyone at dinner what he's done. Kevin Wilson comes out and he's looking at everyone with you now when you meet someone and you know they want to tell you something. They're yeah. that news. And he's got in the big cigar. He's got his fingers like as a cigar like <laughs> And Andy's like, what's up, Kev? And he Aww. went, I've just had uh, Darby on the phone. They've offered me uh, three times what I'm getting here. <laughs> Boat smoking the cigar and all like that. And, of course, all the lads are in it, but it was just Kevin gave the whole spill. And, of course, Andy had told everyone how much he was getting away. So then the conversation turns into, you're only getting now a week. You're only getting fifteen hundred quid a week here. And he went, how do you know? Andy had literally, played. he was brilliant at it as well. It great fun to be around Andy. Now,
3: Leicester City forward Ozzy Perez was the guest on Saturday sessions and he told Sam Matterface they had a number of different clubs trying to sign him before we moved to England.
7: So the under-21s of Madrid and Barcelona want me, but that, that would mean I was going to play in second division again, championship, mm-hmm. and I had uh, the offers of, uh, of Porto, the first team, and Newcastle. First team as well. Obviously, being in a club like Real Madrid or Barcelona is is always special. But you know that second team option made me think maybe it wasn't it wasn't the right move. So uh, I was very close to move to Porto, like very very close. So like, just little details uh, were delaying the the move. But at that at that moment, Newcastle made a call. They were very interested in me. They didn't fight for little details, and then I realized: well, I had the, I, I always had the dream to play in the Premier League, so that was uh, the opportunity.
3: Now, the latest edition of Glory Hunters, the podcast, Hibs take on Manchester United in the grand final, and Hibs fan Doogie Anderson. Oh yeah, I remember him off the telly. He was in that show. Um... No, it's gone. No, me neither. Anyway, he believes Manchester United are a club with issues. Oh yeah, I've got it. He presented Balls of Steel.
8: No, that was Mark Dolan. Man United have a complex that makes them narrow-minded and small in stature. It's a superiority complex mixed with rampant narcissism. Furthermore, Man United are utterly confused, perfectly exemplified, in one of their own signature fan chants, the pride of all Europe. It starts, we are the pride of all Europe, the cock of the north. Not true. Many countries, including Albania and Belarus, are at best ambivalent towards united it continues we hate the (laughs) Scoutsers, the cockneys of course and leads (laughs) hatred hatred to wayne rooney or steve copple rooney's your record goal scorer with 253 goals who else do you hate best law and charlton Cockneys, Gordon Hill, David Beckham, Rio Ferdinand, all East End boys. Without Leeds, no Cantona signing. Without Cantona, no Red Revolution, you blethering fools. And the chant concludes, we are united without any doubt, we are the Manchester boys. But of course, there is doubt, because until 1902, you were called Newton Heath and played in green and yellow.
3: Well, that's it for another podcasting thing. Good work, everyone. Uh, a reminder, you can download other ones and future ones from um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Acast. I, hopefully, fingers crossed, if I can get this system working, we will be back tonight from 10pm with the Sports Bar. If not, who knows, will be sat in my seat. As long as he's not that Rushton fella, doesn't really matter. Well, it does matter because, of course, you want me there. So, as long as he's not that Rushton fella, yeah, just as long as it's not Rushton. And... Anyway, that's it for another podcast. Have a good day. Keep your distance. Wash your hands. And above all, gang, be safe, everyone. Be safe.
4: That was a podcast from Talk Sport.